What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the week eight edition of the Weekly Cheese. Got a ton to get into today. The Packers go into Arizona on Thursday night and take down the undefeated Cardinals in dramatic fashion. It went down to the wire, and the Packers' defense needed to make a play, and that they did. A night of redemption for a couple of the Packers' defenders. We'll get into all that and everything else you need to know from Thursday's crazy game against the Cardinals. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Weekly Cheese. Super Bowl! 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 Welcome back to the Weekly Cheese. I'm your host, Joe Ivan. And man, am I happy to be here on this Monday following a crazy weekend of NFL football that was highlighted by none other than Thursday night's matchup between the Green Bay Packers and the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, the Packers go into Arizona. They beat the undefeated Cardinals 24-21. to It could have been the game of the year so far in the NFL. It was an amazing game to watch. It looked like an amazing atmosphere to play in and and be in as a fan. And the Packers got the job done. Extend their record to 7-1. Take ownership of the title best team in the NFL. Not just the NFC, but the NFL. I mean, up until this past weekend when the Magic Mike White and the New York Jets stunned the Bengals yesterday. The Bengals were the number one team in, in in the AFC, and the Packers beat them earlier in the year. They beat the undefeated Cardinals. So for all intents and purposes, the Packers are the best team in the NFL, and I don't want to hear another thing about it. They're rolling right now without all of their guys. And on Thursday, it just got worse. I mean, the Packers were banged up all year long. And after the game against the Washington football team last Sunday, COVID infiltrated the the team. And they were without Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams, and their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, because of it. And the loss of those three guys would be a huge deal at any given point of any NFL season. The the defensive coordinator and Alan Lazard and, of course, Devontae Adams, all-pro, best receiver in football. Losing those three guys for a week would be a big deal at any point. But losing them right now, with everything going on with the Packers team, really turned the situation the Packers have on their hands into a DEFCON 5 situation going into Thursday's matchup with the undefeated Cardinals. Going into the game, the Packers, they were without their starting center, their top three wide receivers, one of of which being Devontae Adams, who is irreplaceable, their all-pro corner, Jair Alexander, their all-pro left tackle, David Bakhtiari, their all-pro pass rusher, Zadarius Smith. Their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, he couldn't be on the sidelines. And Kevin King. (laughs) They're without their starting center, the best receiver in football, all pro, all pro, all pro, their coach, and Kevin King. (laughs) Sorry, that makes me laugh. I mean, Kevin King is the least consequential of the group, but he is still to be noted. He was not out there. And they were still able to take down 
the NFL's best record on the road in a beautiful fashion. They held the Cardinals to just 21 points. They ran the ball down the Cardinals' throats, and they dominated the time of possession. Beautiful game plan, beautiful execution, and a beautiful win. Perhaps the best win in the Matt LaFleur era. Aaron Rodgers, 22 for 37, 184 yards, two touchdowns. He now has two touchdowns in the last seven games, and he got the job done with an odd cast of characters, to say the least, at his disposal in terms of wide receivers. I mean, the stat line from Rodgers really wasn't what we're used to seeing from him, but considered the the, the guys he had lined up as the receiver positions, it is a very impressive line. He got the job done. The Packers, of course, I've said it numerous times already, they're without their top three receivers. They had to rely on backups and a practice squad activation. The three wide receivers the Packers had out there primarily were Equiminius St. Brown, Randall Cobb, and Juwan Winfrey. Juwan Winfrey activated from the practice squad for Thursday's game due to Devontae Adams not being out there. And he played nearly the entire game. 54 snaps for Juwan Winfrey. Uh, it seemed as if everywhere you look, like you're watching a Packer game, everyone out there, Packer Nation knows. I mean, you're watching the game, and you just know where to look. You, you, you see Devontae Adams out there, and it, it brings everyone joy seeing 17 lined up out there, no matter where he is. But basically, for the entire game, from the first drive on, uh, anywhere you would normally look to, to find Devontae Adams, you would find number 88. Jawan Winfrey was basically Devontae Adams out there. It, it was like the meme, uh, Mom, I want Devontae Adams. And No, honey, we have Devontae Adams at home. And then Devontae Adams at home was Juwan Winfrey. Uh, it was a total disappointment every time we would look around. But it, I was pumped to see him out there. Uh, and he finished the day as the receiver with the most catches. He had four catches for 30 yards. Uh, he did have some... Poor moments throughout the game. He had the ball punched out. He could have had a massive gain there. Who knows? Apparently, Juwan Winfrey does have burner speed, so who knows if he got loose and was able to break through. He probably would have had a huge gain on that play, but the ball got punched out. Luckily, it tumbled out of bounds. No harm, no foul. Um, but it was an overall nice day from Juwan Winfrey. Uh, he played an unexpected amount of snaps. He, he outsnapped Malik Taylor, Mari Rogers uh, quite significantly. But they were obviously confident in him. He had four catches. He, he moved the sticks a couple times. And he did a good job for a guy who was just activated off the practice squad getting his first action for the Green Bay Packers in a, in a huge game. Nonetheless, it was a huge game. And Jawan Winfrey came in and did his job. He should feel proud, and I'm happy for him. Equiminius St. Brown, only two catches for 12 yards. He did pick up that holding penalty on the first play of the game that basically ended the Packers' first drive of the game before it even had a chance to get going. Um, but he had a nice fourth down conversion in the red zone, moved the sticks there and kept the drive alive. And he does a good job blocking. He was the Alan Lazard fill-in, really. He, he blocks on the edge for the runners. And he really had a standard equiminous St. Brown performance. Two, two catches for 12 yards, nothing crazy. And Randall Cobb, I mean... Only three catches for 15 yards, but he had two touchdowns in the red zone. Uh, the first one was just an absolutely crazy play. I don't think 
Another receiver on the team even had a prayer of catching that ball. Uh, Randall Cobb was really the only one out there. It was the, it was the Aaron-Randall connection that showed on that play. I mean, it was an absolutely crazy throw and catch. Perfect throw. Aaron put it directly in Randall Cobb's chest, but it was in a tight window. Randall had coverage draped all over him, but he came away with the ball, flexed on him, and it was great to see Randall Cobb basically proving that he was well worth a six-round pick up until this point of the season. His second two-touchdown performance. And on days where the Packers need a wide receiver to, to step up and make plays, particularly in the red zone, uh, Randall Cobb has shown that he still has the ability to do that, especially when Aaron is dealing him the rock. I mean, the connection those guys have are un is undeniable. Couldn't be happier to have Randall back with the team. Um, and yeah, without Randall Cobb on Thursday, the Packers don't win that game. The only other receiver to have a touch on the day was Mari Rogers, and he finished with one for seven. He didn't have the best day. Mari Rogers started the game with the uh, fumbled kick return and then dropped the ball on the first drive after EQ's hold. I mean, wasn't the best day for Mari Rogers. He still seems to be getting acclimated to the speed and strength of the NFL, but nonetheless, he had a nice play on that jet sweep. Uh, Seven-yard gain, and, and he had a carry or two. The rest of the production through the air came through the tight ends and, and the running backs. I mean, Aaron Jones finished with seven receptions, 51 yards. Uh, Tunyon, uh, three catches, 49 yards. Saguara, two catches, 20 yards. Uh, and that's it. I mean, there was slim pickings for Aaron Rodgers out there. And with bringing up Rob Tunyon, let's just get into it. The tight end unit, I mean, Daphne returned from injury, uh, and the presence of him and DeGuara as run blockers was certainly felt. Uh, obviously, Mercedes Lewis, stud blocker himself, but the story out of the tight end unit for the Packers on Thursday obviously was the devastating injury to Big Bub Tunyon. Uh, couldn't feel worse for him. Went out with the torn ACL on, on his big game-changing 33-yard catch and run, and unfortunately... He's out for the rest of the season. Uh, it's another huge blow to this Packers team uh, in terms of injuries. But I, I, more importantly than that, I mean, I just feel so bad for Big Bub Tunyon. Last season, he bursted onto the scene, 11 touchdowns. He was a huge piece of the Matt LaFleur offense last year. And into this season, he wasn't used as much in the passing game to start this year. He was primarily... Uh, used as a chipper, and he was helping the offensive line with these vicious pass rushes we've been going up against. But he's been making some splash plays here and there when the Packers need him to uh, in the passing game. And he did it on Thursday. Huge play, 33 yards. He moved the ball down the field late in the game. And he was just holding that knee. He left the game, and he's done for the year. It's uh, really sad. It, it is a contract year for him, so who knows that – could potentially be the last we see of Tunyon in a Packer jersey. I hope that's not the case. I would love to see Goot give him a one- or two-year deal. I mean, he's such an important piece of this team. He's such a good guy. He works so hard. Great story. Underdog. Grinder. I mean, enough can't be said about Big Bob, and I wish him nothing but the best in his recovery. But with that being said, the Packers now... They have some decisions to make in terms of what's going on at the tight end. I mean, 
Obviously, they have three great blocking tight ends, uh, Daphne, DeGuara, and, of course, Big Dog, our stud blockers. Big Dog has been making plays in the past game to start this year, but that's really not his thing. That's not Big Dog's game. He doesn't have the downfield speed anymore. He's up there, I mean, 17 years in the league. He's He hasn't been a receiving threat his entire career. He's been doing it recently, but... That's not what he does best, and it's going to be interesting to see what the Packers do. 24 hours and counting for the trade deadline. Tomorrow is the trade deadline, and maybe the Packers go out, make a trade, perhaps for an Evan Ingram. I heard he might be on the trading block. He's a solid tight end. Yeah, he has a history of drops, but perhaps coming to Green Bay and playing with our fantastic organization would be exactly what Ingram needs to get back to that Pro Bowl level of play that he has shown in his past. If not, Big Dog's going to have to start catching some more balls. I mean, I love seeing Big Dog get involved, but it's a big injury. It sucks, man. It really sucks to see Tunyon go down. And uh, On we go. The Packers' offensive line, uh, Jenkins, Runyon, Patrick, Newman, Turner, they've been the, the five to start. No, the, the majority of this season, and they were back out there once again on Thursday. They did a fantastic job protecting Aaron uh, against a very strong Cardinals pass rush. Aaron was only hit twice. He was sacked once. And shout out to Elton Jenkins for this. I mean, he completely neutralized Chandler Jones. He held him to just two pressures. Chandler Jones is a game wrecker, and, and he was not able to get off against Elton Jenkins. Thursday may have been... Elton Jenkins' final game as the Packers' left tackle. There is a chance Bakhtiari comes back on Sunday. Um, and enough can't be said about Elton Jenkins for what he was able to do stepping in for Bakhtiari over the first eight weeks of the season. I mean, he started five games to start the year at left tackle, and he's only given up ten pressures. And that's just proof right there that he is one of if not the only lineman in the NFL that could play every single position along the offensive line at a pro bowl or all pro level. Uh, the left tackle is the most difficult position on the line. It's the most important position on the line. And Elton Jenkins seamlessly took on that responsibility to start this year. And because of it, the Packers offensive line has gotten the job done. They have taken on some of the league's premier pass rushes over the first eight weeks of the season, and they've handled them admirably without the best left tackle in the National Football League. So kudos to Jenkins, kudos to the whole unit for holding it down in his absence, and hopefully we get him back this week. And Elton Jenkins can retake control of the left guard position, and the Packers' offensive line could get back to dominating the run game just like they dominate the pass game. Because on Thursday, uh, the interior trio of Runyon, Patrick, and Newman uh, once again struggled with consistency when run blocking. On Thursday, due to the personnel the Packers had to work with, it was assumed that they were going to need to rely on the run and move the ball on the ground. And luckily they were able to do that. They were able to move the ball efficiently on the ground on Thursday, but they could have had some more help from the interior trio. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon were able to have productive games on the ground. They combined for 31 carries and 137 yards. But 
they gained 92 yards after first contact. 92 of their 137 yards came after the first contact. A.J. Dillon ran 16 times for 78 yards, but 61 of his 78 yards came after first contact. It wasn't easy for the running backs, but they got the job done. Both of them were fighting through tacklers and running hard. I mean, Aaron Jones on his touchdown, he ran through Isaiah Simmons, dragged him to the end zone. Very badass to see a guy, Aaron Jones size, just manhandle a dominant middle linebacker like that. And, and A.J. Dillon was an absolute beast. I mean, four broken tackles, 61 of his 78 yards came after first contact, six of his 16 runs went for first downs. I mean, A.J. Dillon was badass on Thursday night. And the way he played makes it even more unfathomable as to why he did not receive the ball on the goal line. Not once. The Packers, they've struggled in the red zone all season long. They went 3-for-5 in the red zone on Thursday. Uh, but those two failed attempts on the goal line could have cost the Packers the game, most notably on the final possession. The Packers had a first and one, a first and goal on the one, and Aaron Jones ran it into the end zone. They went up by 10 with about three minutes remaining in the game. Uh, at that point, everyone, I'm sure, in Packer Nation took a sigh of relief. However, that touchdown was inexplicably taken off the board. I could sit here and complain about the officiating for the entire league for over two hours. I mean, I'm not going to do it. The officiating is horrible. We know that. And that touchdown should have stood. There was no conclusive evidence to show Aaron Jones not getting into the end zone. But it wasn't. It was taken off the board, and the Packers had to try to get it in again. They were on the one-yard line. It was second and goal, and they had three attempts to get it into the end zone. On second and goal, they line up in the shotgun, and they try to run the ball with Aaron Jones. He gets stuffed right at the one. Didn't understand why they were in the shotgun there, but whatever. Third and goal. Josiah DeGuara, for some reason, has no clue where to line up. Packers take a delay. of They're out of timeouts due to poor clock management throughout the entire second half, and, and they end up taking a delay of game penalty uh, due to the fact DeGuara has no clue where to line up. A miscommunication pushes them back five yards. Now it's third and goal from the six. On that third and goal play, Aaron Rodgers makes a badass effort to get into the end zone. He scrambles from the pocket. He dives for the goal line, takes a brutal hit from three guys. It was a great, tough nose play from our leader, Aaron Rodgers. But he couldn't get back in the end zone, and they were right there, fourth and goal from the one. And instead of lining up in an I formation with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon on the field, you could line A.J. Dillon up as a fullback. And just jam it down their throat. I mean, the running both running backs were gaining yards after first contact all game long. All they needed to do was just jam it down their throats. But no, fourth and goal. Aaron Rodgers fakes a handoff to Aaron Jones uh, from the shotgun. Uh, rolls out to his right and, and tries to force a ball into Randall Cobb. Swatted down. Turnover on downs from the one. And just like that, the Packers went from up 10 to up three and without the ball in a matter of seconds. The poor clock management at the end of the game, combined with the reluctance to just line up in an I formation and shove it 
down their throat. I mean, Vince Lombardi said if you can't get a yard, you don't deserve to be a champion. You can't get a yard. Said they're trying to get too fancy, in my opinion. They're 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 trying to get too cute with these with the shotgun from the one and and the and the play action to Randall Cobb. What are you forcing into Randall Cobb on the goal line for? AJ Dillon is gaining four yards a touch. Just give the man a ball. Give him a chance. I mean, A.J. Dillon, three separate trips to the one-yard line. A.J. Dillon doesn't touch the ball once? It makes no sense to me. It could have cost the Packers the game. I mean, the Cardinals got the ball right there at the one, and they drove all the way down the field. They could have won the game. They almost scored a touchdown. They were in the red zone. And it was totally unfair to the defense. The defense played great. There was no reason for them to be on the field in that situation. They contained the Cardinals' offense for three and a half quarters. It was tough to watch. It made no sense. And luckily, it didn't cost the Packers the victory. Because this Packers' defense steps up when they need to. And on Thursday, that's exactly what they did. This Packers' defense was without defensive coordinator Joe Barry. Defensive backs coach and passing game coordinator Jerry Gray was in calling the plays for the defense. And they could not have played harder for him. The Packers' defense absolutely played their hearts out. It was beautiful to see. Coming into the game, the Cardinals were red hot. They had one of the best scoring offenses in the league. They still do. Still averaging over 30 points a game. But the Packers' defense was able to play together and win their matchup against this high-octane Cardinals attack. Nothing makes me more angry than seeing these headlines about how the Cardinals lost this game. No, no, no. The Cardinals did not lose this game. The Packers won this game, and it was thanks to the amazing effort that they displayed on defense. Kyler Murray finished the game 22 for 33, 274 yards, but no touchdowns and two interceptions. And although they finished the game with just three quarterback hits and two sacks, this Packers defense did a great job at applying pressure to Kyler Murray all game long. They finished with 17 pressures as a team, which is impressive, especially considering Kingsley Kiki went down early with the concussion. So the Packers basically lined up with two down linemen the entire game. The Kenny, and Clark, uh, Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, were basically the two defensive linemen out there the entire game. They were spelled with Lancaster and with with Slayton for a couple times. But for the most part, it was Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry, and those guys played great. Five pressures total, three of them coming from Dean Lowry, and also a sack coming from Dean Lowry. Dean Lowry has been playing amazing this season, particularly as a pass rusher. I mean, he's been wreaking havoc from the interior two separate times on Thursday where Dean Lowry just put his hands on the right guard's chest and just drove him into the backfield for a pressure. And he got Kyler Murray. He sacked him on one of them, just basically pushed the right guard right into Kyler Murray and took him down. This was Dean Lowry's fourth game with a half, at least a half sack this season. And the way he's playing, the way he's getting after opposing quarterbacks, teams might start scheming for Dean Lowry now. I mean, really, Kenny Clark gets doubled all game long. But if Dean Lowry continues to wreak havoc on the inside like he has been, 
teams are going to have no choice but to start respecting him more as a pass rusher, and that's just going to make life easier for Kenny. And, and the way that these two guys have been pressuring the quarterback from the interior this season is exactly what the Packers need, considering all the injuries they've had on the edge. I mean, Preston Smith was able to return on Thursday, so the Packers did have four edge rushers to rotate in throughout the game. Um, and Preston and Rashan, they were great. They were consistently applying pressure. They themselves had five pressures as a duo. Uh, Rashan Gary almost had a huge sack on the first defensive play of the game, um, if not for accidentally grabbing Kyler Murray's face mask. It was a pretty vicious face mask, but still so awesome. Rashawn just bullied his way in there, grabbed the face mask, and like it looked like when a when a father grabs his toddler child by the hands and spins them around in the air. And in addition to those two guys, Whitney Merciless, um, he got even more run than he did last week. In his second game as a Packer, he played 29 snaps, and he finished with three quarterback pressures and a hit. Great game from Whitney Merciless. He's starting to get comfortable there. And in breaking news after the game, Zadarius Smith tweeted out, and he insinuated that he'll be back on the field sooner rather than later. And if he comes back this season, let alone soon this season, this Packers pass rush is going to be absolutely unstoppable. Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary have been solid all season long. Rashawn Gary is top five in the league in, in total quarterback pressures, and Preston Smith's been productive each and every single game making a play. With the addition of Whitney Merciless, and now if Zadarius Smith were to come back, this Packers pass rush is going to be crazy good, especially with Dean Lowry playing like the madman he has been. Speaking of madmen, Devondre Campbell has continued his dominant season, this time as a pass rusher, taking on the team he was with last season, the team that didn't re-sign him at the end of the year, the team that allowed him to leave the building, and the reason he's on the Green Bay Packers. Devontae Campbell played with the Cardinals last season. He started all 16 games. And on Thursday, he finished with seven tackles, two for a loss, and locked his first sack of the season. He is playing great football. He has been the leader of the defense. And he, once again, had a great game as the starting middle linebacker for the Green Bay Packers. The Packers were in a nickel package for basically the entire game, and they had five DBs on the field at all times. Um, Kevin King, like I said at the beginning of the show, once again was not able to play in the game. He did practice in a limited capacity uh, for the one and a half days of practice or whatever they had that week, but he did not suit up, and that meant Rasul Douglas had to start once again. And Rasul Douglas, who started the season, on the Arizona Cardinals practice squad and was on the practice squad until he came to the Packers just three weeks ago. Finished the game with a team high, nine tackles, two passes defended, should have been three. He got flagged for yet another BS pass interference call and he had the game-winning interception. You cannot say enough about Rasul Douglas. I mean, his performance since joining this team has been 
phenomenal. And it's pretty obvious here that he's going to continue to be the main contributor for this Packers defense until Jair Alexander comes back. In my opinion, he has officially beat out Kevin King as the starter until Jair comes back. And the stats support this claim. This season, when targeting Rasul Douglas, opposing quarterbacks are 9-for-16 with 87 yards, a 45.6 passer rating, and an interception. He has two pass breakups on the year, and he should have four, if not for being flagged for two of the softest pass interference penalties I've ever seen with my own two eyes. And as a comparison, Kevin King, when targeted this season, opposing quarterbacks are 8-for-9 with 150 yards, one touchdown, and a 155.8 passer rating. Almost half the targets, nearly the same amount of receptions given up, more yards, a touchdown, and a way better passer rating when Kevin King is being targeted as opposed to Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas has been playing great football for the Packers. He has ceased the opportunity that was presented to him. And on Thursday, he made the most important play of the game. The Cardinals were driving. They got the ball back on the one after the Packers turned it over on down to three minutes to go in the game. They needed a field goal to tie, a touchdown to win. They were driving. Kyler Murray was in the red zone. There was just seconds left on the clock, and Rasul Douglas picked him off in the end zone. After being on this Arizona Cardinals practice squad for the first five weeks of the season, Rasul Douglas, in prime time, picks off Kyler Murray to win the game. It was epic. Rasul Douglas is a stud. And the Packers could not be luckier to have him on this team. Eric Stokes on Thursday, he had his handfuls. I mean, he had his hands full. He he, he was guarding DeAndre Hopkins for portions of that game. Um, on the Cardinals' first touchdown drive, Hopkins used his veteran savvy uh, and absolutely toasted Stokes down the sideline for 55 yards. He later allowed Hopkins to move the sticks late in the game. Uh, luckily... For the Packers and for us fans, Hopkins was hurt with a hamstring injury for, for basically the entire game. He, he missed a good chunk of the game due, because of it. And uh, it would be interesting to see what would happen if he was out there for the whole game. I mean, when he was out there, he was beating Stokes consistently. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is a tough matchup for any cornerback, uh, let alone a rookie. So... Um, luckily for the Packers, Hopkins was was out for a good chunk of the game, and uh, Stokes played well when Hopkins was off the field, and he had to cover other guys like Christian Kirk and and Rondale Moore. He did a good job against those guys. It was just he was obviously in for a rough day with Hopkins, uh, and luckily the Packers were able to avoid it. It was yet another solid performance from the tandem of Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. They were their usual selves. Uh, they combined for eight tackles. And when the Packers did switch to the dime package and threw out that threw that sixth defensive back on the field, Henry Black was the one to come into the mix, and he came up with his first career interception. It set the Packers up with an excellent field position, uh, and it allowed them to get out to a 10-point lead uh, to start the third quarter. It was a solid day from the secondary. They contained the Cardinals' offense for the majority of the game, an offense that has been wreaking havoc on defenses all season long. 
And it was a great game from the entire defense. I mean, the defense played their hearts out. They were not only without their two all-pros, but their defensive coordinator. And they stepped up. They played their ass off. And it, and it, ultimately, they won the Packers this game. Over the first eight games of this season, the Packers' defense is top five in both yards given up and points given up. They've been sneaky good through the first eight weeks. And they're consistently getting after opposing quarterbacks. They're forcing turnovers at the most opportunistic times. I mean, on Thursday, they won the turnover battle 3 to nothing, And they're tied for second in the league with a plus 8 turnover ratio this season. If they keep up this kind of production, the defense is going to be frightening at full force. Once Jair comes back, once Zadarius maybe comes back, this defense is going to be unstoppable. And it's due to the fact that they're getting after the quarterback, they're playing hard, they're playing together, and they're turning teams over in big moments when they need to come up with a play. It's an opportunistic defense that obviously has trust and love in one another. And their effort on Thursday, it was obvious. And they're the reason the Packers won this game. I would be remiss if I went through this episode without bringing up Corey Bajorquez. The Packers' special teams, particularly their punting unit, has been weak over the past two seasons. I mean, J.K. Scott was a very inconsistent punter. The special teams have had all sorts of blunders. But on Thursday, the Packers' special teams had their best game in maybe three seasons. Bajorquez was spectacular. He flipped the field a couple times. He averaged 51.3 yards per punt. He had a massive 58-yard punt in the first half. And he let one hang up there that ended up getting muffed, fumbled, that was recovered by none other than Ty Summers on the goal line. I mean, the special teams came up big for the Packers on Thursday, and a lot of it has to do with the play of Corey Bohorquez. He was such a valuable acquisition at a position that is underappreciated and extremely important. It's great to finally have a punter who is badass. <laughs> we have a badass punter for the first time since Tim Mastay. Um, Thursday's victory over the Cardinals was the best win of the NFL season by any team up to this point. The Cardinals were big favorites favorites going into the game, and there was good reason for that. Uh, they, were, they were the last undefeated team in the NFL. The Packers had the odds stacked against them, not just due to the injuries that they've faced, but the COVID infiltration, they're without Devontae, Lazard, MVS, Joe Barry, Jair, Zadarius, David Bakhtiari, Kevin King, Josh Meyer. I mean, you th the list is long. But the Packers were able to come together, play a hard-nosed and passionate football game, and they beat the Cardinals, how teams usually end up beating the Packers. They ran the ball down their throat, and they finished the game with a 15-minute advantage in time of possession. With this victory, the Packers moved into the number one spot, not only in the NFC, but in the entire NFL. And they show no signs of slowing down. This week, 
They're back on the road taking on another great team. They're in Kansas City for America's Game of the Week, 425 Eastern Time kickoff. And hopefully they'll have a handful of their guys back. I mean, Bakhtiari should be at, back out there. Kevin King could probably suit up. MVS should be back. Lazard should be back. I'm counting on Devontae being back. They should have their guys back. And they should take care of business on Sunday against the Chiefs. That's going to do it for this episode of the Weekly Cheese. Keep an eye out Saturday for the pregame preview where I'll be previewing the Packers matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. Get you ready for that game. Everything you need to know, matchups to watch, players to keep an eye on. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram at theweekly.cheese. Also, find us on TikTok at theweeklycheese.podcast, at Twitter at theweeklycheese. Also, if you enjoy the content, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Leave a like on the video if you enjoy the content. And you can find us on Spotify at The Weekly Cheese. One more time, remember, keep an eye out for the pregame preview on Saturday. Until then, as always, remember, the cheese stands alone. I'll talk to you later this week, everyone. Go Pats!